Yud, Gimel, Adar, Tafshin Pei. Coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York, I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Yaakov Shweki, eight record. It's a time to dance. Uh, we're coming up to that on this Ta'anit uh, Esther Erev Purim Tafshin Pei. Welcome, one and all, to this edition of the Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network. We're here each and every Monday, immediately following JMDM. That's 9 a.m. Eastern. Usually, usually 4 p.m. Israel, but now it's 3 p.m. Israel until Israel goes into daylight savings time. America has gone into daylight savings time this past weekend. Six-hour difference until that change. We're here, as we said, each and every Monday, immediately following JMDAM, and we're available to listen not only live, not only live. It's great live, if you can listen live. You can comment on the app if you're listening live. But if you can't listen live, people have stuff to do at 9 o'clock in the morning on a Monday. I don't know what, other than listening to the show. Um, You can listen on demand. On demand, whenever you want. Just go to the Nachum Siegel Network app. It's available for free. iPhone, iTunes, all that stuff. All the iStuff. And on Android as well. And on NachumSiegel.com, of course. Just go to the archives, click on uh, The Israel Show, and pick any one of the many hundred episodes that are there, and the latest one would be on top. Thank you so much for joining us, making us a part of your week. It's uh, a very joyous week, of course, as we Jews around the world celebrate Purim. At the same time, the world is in the midst of... um, whether you call it a panic or consternation or um, confusion. But uh, one thing is for sure, that the world uh, today is not the same as the world it was two weeks ago with uh, the coronavirus that is um, wreaking havoc on uh, a lot of the Jewish community those of you who are not in the United States may not be aware of the fact that there is an entire community north of New York, New Rochelle where the young Gizel of New Rochelle is in quarantine their shul was shut down the rabbi actually was also now found to be carrying the coronavirus, he tested uh, positive for corona and it started with uh, another member of the shul that caught it from somebody else when he was traveling Imagine that. When's the last time you've heard of something like that? An entire community is shut down on Shabbat Zachor, on Purim. It's, it's, it's in, in addition, of course, to the health risks, although, thank God, so far we haven't heard of many, and it could very well be that the virus is not as dangerous as they think, but they're not sure yet. And so we're living through it. I just uh, heard an announcement this morning, saw the announcement that the March of the Living, which is uh, a yearly tradition and very important for um, teenagers who who um, walk in the footsteps of those during the Holocaust who the Nazis made march almost to their death. The March of the Living was uh, cancelled due to the uh, situation with the coronavirus 
And uh, later on today, we're going to hear from Prime Minister Netanyahu regarding the ruling about anyone entering Israel from the United States or from any other country that we don't yet have a ruling about. So all these things are heavy burdens. And for me personally, I'm in the, I'm my day job. <laughs> I'm, uh, I own and operate Ariel Tours and... Um, we do trips to Israel, and Pesach is a big time, and we are uh, very concerned. So we all pray for each other in the hopes that everything will work out for the best. Gamzula Tova, we recently learned in the Dafyomi. I don't want to mislead you. I don't do Dafyomi, but I know that we recently did in the Dafyomi the story of Gamzula Tova. This, too, is for the good. Nachomish Gamzu and Rabbi Akiva and so forth. We'll um, we'll bring you a very poignant, moving moment from the APEC Policy Conference 2020 took place last week. Really amazing. We'll share that with you coming up after uh, Yonatan and Aharon Razel with Tainli et Hayom Hazet. It's a great message. Give me this day, every day, give me this day and give us the opportunity to use it to its maximum. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Agala, 
Razel joined by Yonatan Razel there's a uh, agala a, car, a cart or a carriage that is passing by that carriage is a metaphor for the day today, every day agala overet koret elai boale. Get on, make the best of this day. We have today, it's not a small thing, it's a lot. Let's make the best of it. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Weingarten. Thank you so much for tuning in. This past uh, week, was the awesome annual APAC Policy Conference. So much to talk about, but we um, will leave that to others, and we're going to just share with you a few moments that, not surprisingly, left me in tears. Rabbi Jacob J. Schechter, also known as Rabbi J.J. Schechter, Schachter, actually, I should say, from Yeshiva University, his father, who I had the privilege of knowing, Rabbi Herschel Schachter, not the Rosh Kolel, the other one. Rabbi Herschel Schachter was uh, one of the first, I think he was the first Jewish American soldier to enter Buchenwald with the liberating forces. But the rest of the story is told from the stage of the APAC Policy Conference, Rabbi Schachter, who was then joined by Rabbi Yisrael Meir Lau, the former chief rabbi of the state of Israel. No translation needed. Much has been written about the days when the Allied troops entered the concentration camps and changed the course of history, saving many from certain death. My late father, Rabbi Herschel Schachter, was among those who liberated the camps. He was a chaplain in the Third Army's Eighth Corps, 
arriving at the Buchenwald concentration camp shortly after George Patton's troops discovered that place and that area. My father walked through the gates of hell, struggling deeply to understand what he was seeing. When amongst the dead and the dying staring back at him, he saw a child. I was that child. That's the voice of Rabbi Lau, who then, at this moment, joined him on stage. My name is Israel Meir Lau. In Buchenwald, I didn't have a name. I was a number, just a number. My number was 117030. Only... Later on, I discovered who I am. My father, Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lau, let his memory be blessed, he perished in Treblinka. He ordered my brother, Naftali Lau Lavi, former consul general of Israel to New York, that if a miracle will happen and we will survive, we have only one place where to go. Eretz Israel. But I have heard the name of my father even in Buchenwald, not only from my brother. The day of liberation, April 11, 45, bullets, bombs from air, from every place, and we were running to the gate, and there was a heap of corpses at the gate. The door was open, the jeeps of the American army of General Patton came in and one officer with a pistol in his hand went around, he saw a heap of corpses. He was also frightened. He went around and saw a child, he saw me. He understood it's a Jewish child. He took me in his arms and said to me in Yiddish, what's your name, who are you? And I said, my name, Lulek, is the nickname of Poland, Laos. He said immediately, are you related to the very famous Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lau? I said, I am his son. He was my father. He started to cry. I saw the tears on his cheeks. Rabbi Herschel Shechta, Zichronolivracha. And then he asked me, how old are you, my child? And I answered, what difference does it make how old I am? I am older than you. He said, why do you think that you are older than me? I was less than eight years old. I said, because you laugh, you smile, and you cry like a child. Many years that I didn't laugh, and I don't cry anymore. So who is older? Don't forget, we are one nation, we have one faith, and we live in miracles 
here and in Israel. Let's strike this bridge together and make it an Israel high. The standing ovation for Rabbi Lau, and we're not finished yet because there's still a piece from Rabbi Schachter. Uh, the standing ovation for Rabbi Lau went on for 30 seconds, which is huge. And you could hear in the recording, which I didn't keep in because it was just too long, but um, you hear Rabbi J.J. Schachter saying in Hebrew to Rabbi Lau, they're all standing in your honor. And Rabbi Lau, from behind the tears and with a choked voice, saying, I am very moved, I'm very emotional. Here is um, the last piece which was delivered by Rabbi J.J. Schachter. The lives of the liberators are forever interwoven and intertwined with the lives of those they saved. Today we gather to remember, to remember not only what was lost, but to pay tribute to all who survived. When Allied forces entered the concentration camps, they discovered more than the broken remnants of the Jewish people. They found the women and the men who still had the strength to help write the next chapter, a new and glorious chapter of a 3,000-year-old story. They and you are in this room today. We are joined in common mission with Americans from all faiths and all backgrounds and all political perspectives, ensuring that our collective voices will never, ever be silenced. That we work together with our elected officials to make America and Israel safe and our world a better place. The descendants of those who survived went on to help build a Jewish nation, steeped in the powerful belief that there is always hope for tomorrow.
Shaiwiba with Mikdash Melech, a song that um, has a relationship with Rabbi Lau and the Holocaust. Uh, I want to mention, I'm going to do this quickly and in passing because of the time, and maybe on a future show we'll devote more time to this. Um, two days ago, Yud Aleph Adar Tafshin Pei was the 100th anniversary slash Yortzeit of the Battle of Tel Chai, where, according to everything that we're taught from childhood and Zionist education, the leader of this small settlement, small farming settlement, really nothing more than like a big fort, Yosef Trumpeldor, who himself was a, a, a military hero even before this, was shot together with Schneer Sposhnik, Aaron Sher, Dvorah Drachler, Binyamin Montar, Zev Sharf, Sarah Chizik, and Yaakov Toker. And famously, as he was being carried off in a stretcher and was dying, Yosef Trumpeldor said, Endavar. Tov lamut ba'adar tzenu. If you're going to die, it is good that we die for Eretz Yisrael, for our homeland, which has become part of the upbringing of so many in the state of Israel. 100 years ago, Yud Aleph Adar, March the 1st, 1920, would say that from a Jewish perspective, from a Zionist perspective, from a perspective of Eretz Yisrael, far beyond the small number of um, civilian, which was eight, I think we, we just said, that were killed, this battle, which was probably the first military engagement, if you call it military, um, between the Jewish Zionists and the Arabs in the area who attacked them became part of Israeli culture inspiring an enduring heroic story and having profound influence on the Yishuv for many many decades Tel Chai 
is um, those of you that went to Camp Beitar, those of you who know anything about that, know that the uh, way that they would greet each other was with Tel Chai. The name Beitar itself, which was the Jabotinsky Youth Movement, is stands for Brit Yosef Trumpeldor, spelled a little differently. But still, it's a play on words because the city of Beitar was the last stand of the Jews of Bayichene. And now, the Brit Yosef Trumpeldor is the beginning of uh, the resurgence of the Jewish people in the land of Israel. Sagiv Cohen, well-known singer-songwriter in Israel, was in Thailand giving a concert and upon his return was put in quarantine in Israel. And while he was in quarantine, he figured, well, may as well use my time. And he wrote a song and put it out. It's called Taluyach Mistaklim. It all depends on your perspective. It depends how you're looking at things. If Charlie Os, you could be angry, and to light, you know, to, to, to burn things. Or to accept everything with open arms. If Charlie you could think that, okay, time heals all wounds. If Charlie you can drink even just half the cup that's full. Or, you can die of thirst if you're only looking at the half that is empty. Everything really is all about our perspective. And this he writes as he is in quarantine in Israel. I think he get, he came out a few days ago of quarantine. Brand new from Sagiv Cohen. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. זה יכול להיות מקום בטוח לתפוס בו מחסה זה יכול להיות סיכום פרוע תלוי איך מסתכלים על זה זה נראה כמו חלום פתוח עם אלפי הזדמנויות ואולי רק תעתוע להסתיר את הפניות Mistaklim al zeh. Zeh nirech shav kmon netach imalfe madragot. 
Sagiv Cohen from the depths of uh, quarantine. He wrote, My name is Mayor Weingarten. You, 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 you are tuned to the show on the Nachum Siegel Network. We've spoken numerous times here about the attitude of some on the very left part of the Israeli political scale about their, what would we call, haughtiness. Haughtiness, according to the dictionary, is having or showing an attitude of superiority and contempt for people. And here's an example. And I'll preface it with this. Until 1977, there was only one party in control of Israel, from, from 47 to 77. And the only reason in 77 there was a, a, a finally, finally a switch from the labor being in control of everything was because they, they dropped the ball so, so badly during the Yom Kippur War. And it took time, it still took time, there was an election in between, it took time for people to comprehend that they can vote for somebody else. And that's when Menachem Begin became Prime Minister. That was the first time someone not from the left was in control. And I remember Yitzchak ben Aharon, one of the leaders in the Histadrut, saying Ha'am Ta'ah. The nation, the people, they made a mistake. It can't be that they really, you know, know what they're doing. They just made a mistake. And that's the attitude of many on the left, that the people are stupid, the people don't know what to do, they're, they're mistaken. I have two examples, um, I credit um, Amit Segal for pointing both of these out. The first is from, this was broadcast, I'm, I'm playing for you a recording of a broadcast that took place on election night, Moti Gilat, considered one of the uh, uh, upper 
upper echelon of Israeli commentators and analysts who says this I'm, I'm going to do this uh, I'll read it to you uh, no, I'll play it and then I'll read to you quickly the uh, the translation because I want to get some other stuff so here is Mati Gilat for those who understand Hebrew and for those who don't we'll um, translate in a moment יש במדינת ישראל, אי אפשר לברוח מהעובדה הזאת, מאות אלפי עבריינים עם הרשעה של בית משפט, ובלי הרשעה, אבל שאנחנו יודעים שביצעו מעשים חמורים כאלה ואחרים, יש להם בני משפחות, יש להם חברים, חלק מהם, לא כולם, יש הרבה עבריינים שבאמת מעדו פעם אחת, הם לא אנשים שקמים בבוקר לתרבות של פשע. אבל יש קבוצה גדולה וכמה מנדטים שלפני שניגשים לבחירות בכלל מונחים בכיסאו של בנימין נתניהו. מה זה הדבר הזה? עכשיו העם מושחת, אני לא מצליח למה שאתה אומר. מה אתה אומר? אתה טוען שהעם מושחת? There are, says Mati Gilat, on live television, on Israel's national television station, Channel 11. And remember, this is the very same channel that uh, told Erel Segal that he has to take a break and he's going uh, to be on hiatus because he dared to sing with Prime Minister Netanyahu in a video where no politics was discussed. Here's what he said. There are hundreds of thousands of criminals in the state of Israel, says Moti Gilad. Some were convicted in court and others who were never convicted. But we know they've committed serious crimes of one kind or another. And they have family members and so on and so forth. Of course, there are criminals who just, you know, tripped, so to speak, once and never go back to crime. But then there are people that are criminals who wake up in the morning to a culture of crime and they number in the hundreds of thousands and they control and they are themselves a number of seats in the Knesset and before the election starts this large group is in Netanyahu's pocket. Can you imagine? The other analysts at the table says Moti what are you saying now that the entire that 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 all these people are the, the people are corrupt well it's like they said it in the other election the people made a mistake the people are corrupt it can't be it can't be that they made a a, a correct decision and voted for Netanyahu and gave him more seats than he got last time knowing as they do that he's been indicted and is going to start going to court and standing in trial no, it can't be. So it has to be that part of the answer is that the hundred thousands, hundreds of thousands of those who voted for Netanyahu are nothing are criminals. And here's another one. This is not just an analyst. This is a former justice of the Israeli Supreme Court. His name is Eliyahu Matzah. He's doing an interview with Esti Perez on Reshet Bet also the national radio waves. And she says to him, the people have spoken. The people have decided that even though Netanyahu has these three indictments, even though he's going to stand trial, they still voted for him. And this is a former justice of the Supreme Court in Israel. This is his answer. הציבור נתן אמון בנתניהו, אמון בדרכו, ויכול להיות שהאמון בדרכו גם אומר שהוא לא מאמין במערכת אכיפת החוק. אני חושש מאוד שאת צודקת. 
זאת אומרת, אני לא בטוח שהציבור שנתן אמון בנתניהו חשב בדיוק על הנקודה הזאת, שההצבעה בעד נתניהו זה בעצם הצבעה נגד שלטון החוק. ואני רוצה לצאת מתוך הנחה שהרבה מאוד אזרחים אה, טובים והגונים אה, הצביעו בשביל נתניהו, מפני שהם פשוט אינם מבינים את, אה, את גודל השעה ואת כובד האחריות בהצבעה הזאת. You see, she says, the public voted for Netanyahu, gave him more seats, knowing that the Justice Department has indicted him. To which he says, the former Supreme Court Justice, I want to assume that many good and decent citizens voted for Netanyahu because they simply do not understand the magnitude of the moment and the responsibility of their vote. They don't get it. The people don't understand. What do they know? What do they know? It's, it's, there is this similar sentiment in the American left and the American uh, academia and so forth. The people who vote for Trump, they, they're, 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 they're the lowlifes. They don't know. They're the rednecks. They don't know. They don't know what they're doing. Oy, oy, oy. Brand new music from Anshe Haruach. This is called Emtza Chayim. Just came out. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. <laughs>
The name of the song, Emtza Chaim, brand new music, debuting here on The Israel Show. Thank you so much for making us a part of your week. We're here each and every Monday or whenever you want to listen on demand on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Weingarten, and uh, it's time for an election update. So the final votes are in, and everything that we said on the night of the elections can be thrown out in the garbage because the um, the two blocks are very close, the left and the right, and Benny Gantz, Yair Lapid, Bogi Yalon, and Ashkenazi, Gabi Ashkenazi, <clears throat> who swore a million times, up and down, before the elections, that no matter what happens, they will not go into or create a government or lead a government, I should say, with the support, either straight-up support or support in the background, meaning that the Arab parties, well, I should say, of the Arab party, the United Arab Party, and the United Arab Party is the in this case, is is the um, tipping point, is the as they say in Israel, l'shon hamoznaim. They can, they hold the balance of power. So if Netanyahu, if Lieberman would join Netanyahu, Netanyahu would have a a, a coalition of sixty-seven. I'm sorry, of um, uh, of sixty-five, which he could live with. But Lieberman, who's a right-winger, ha- hates Netanyahu so much that he's willing to sell everything to get rid of Netanyahu. And now, there's actually talks between Blue and White Party and the United Arab Party. And together with Lieberman, they would have 65 seats and that would be a majority in a coalition. There's only one problem two members of Blue and White, Yoaz Hendel and uh, Tzvi Hauser, who were both people that were very close to Netanyahu and left him because they couldn't work with him. But their ideals and ideas are right-wing. They're saying, we promised our voters that we will not form a government with the Arab joint list even if it's relying on outside support, which means when it comes time to vote for the government in the Knesset, the Arabs will walk out or abstain or whatever. 
and uh, 55 blue and white plus 7 of Lieberman would give him enough to continue. Now, what are the scenarios? One scenario says blue and white, if they join with the Arab parties, that'll be the end of them. The voters will never forgive them. They swore up and down that they wouldn't do it. So what's going on? What's going on, according to those, is that the Blue and White Party is actually playing chess with the Likud and daring them. They're saying to the Likud, look, you don't have a government. We're going to put up a government. You're going to be out. And they're trying to entice either the Likud or one of the other parties in the right-wing bloc, for example, Bennett and Shaked, or somebody else who would bolt, who would go against their pre-election promise of sticking with the right wing and join, or some members join Gantz. So they're using the Arabs as a bargaining chip, if you will. They also haven't openly talked about it. Benny Gantz has not yet officially said anything. The Arabs are saying, we're not ready for any more of these behind-the-curtain, under-the-table negotiations. We're, we have 15 votes, we represent the big public, big portion of the electorate, more than 10%. If you want us, it's through the front door, which makes it all the more difficult for the Blue and White Party to do that. So this is going to be very crucial, fascinating period of time where the possibility that for the first time in Israel's history there will be a coalition that will include the Arab parties or not the first time in history that the Arabs would support it from the outside that happened once before and believe it or not the result of that was Oslo so that wasn't such a great precedent when Yitzhak Rabin relied on, did not have a majority, uh, what they call a Jewish majority, and relied on the Arab parties to create his um, majority in the Knesset, and as and that's what Oslo won with. That That's how they got Oslo through. Let's make one thing clear. Nobody says that the Arabs, per se, the Arab-Israeli citizens who voted and who now have 15 members in the Knesset, that, they're, that they, they somehow are inferior in, because they're Arabs. It's not a racist thing. But there are many members. This is a, the United Arab Party is a conglomerate of four different Arab uh, uh, parties some of which are very anti-Zionist, some of which some of which support outright, openly support terrorists. This is not a question of racism. This is a question of survival. This is a question of understanding that you don't want a party that has people in it who don't believe in the right of the Jewish state to exist. And they openly declare that. There shouldn't be a Jewish national state. There should be a state where everybody is equal. That's what many of the uh, United Arab Party want. So including them in a coalition 
that's going to govern the state of Israel, going to govern the state of Israel through continued rocket shellings in Gaza, going to govern the state of Israel through the Iran attempts of getting a foothold in Syria. Imagine that Benny Gantz is the prime minister, and every time he makes a move in Syria or in Gaza or any other type of move, he's going to have to look over his shoulder and wait for the nod of the Arab members of Knesset, like those from Balad, who don't believe that we should be here. That's, that's what's going on, and that's very, very concerning. What's the option? Somebody breaks... On yet again, another elections. Four times, what the heck. Okay, we're going to end off with, uh, really, one of my personal favorites, Ahavat Hadassah, sung by the late Yigal Bashan. The words were written by Rabbi Shlomo Shabazi. And... Um, it's not exactly a Purim song, but Hadassah is Esther, so Ahavat Hadassah. I make it I make it into a Purim song. But before we get to that, we're gonna say thank you to everybody. I'm gonna wish everybody a most joyous Purim, especially those that are in quarantine, situations of quarantine. We're thinking of you and we wish you especially as joyous a Purim as you can have. Thank God that other than Shabbat, we quarantine is almost full quarantine is almost impossible today because you can connect with people over the phone, you can connect with people on Facebook, you can connect with people on WhatsApp, video conference, video Skyping is free. Video WhatsApping is free. Video Facebook is free. And um, that should help a little bit relieve the, the, the tension and the difficulty of being being alone. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network and my very special thanks as always to Nachum Siegel coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network. Yoni Pollock with After Further Review covering the latest in the world of sports. And then Novak now, Jake Novak, looks at the massive changes in politics in Israel and the U.S. in just the last few days. And then the great Monday Music Marathon. Surely a lot of Purim stuff going on there. Tomorrow, a Purim tradition for over 20 years. I'll be filling in for Nachum Siegel over at Jamie the AM, so come over and give us a listen. We're on from 6 to 9 Eastern Time. And then, next Monday, back here. So until then, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. Oh no, they're just running in a different race. Avat Hadassah, 